Well, kia ora and a big welcome to all of you who are joining us today for our online service. And I, I do want to take a moment and give a big shout out for, uh, to all of those who are from our soon-to-be Connect campus in Tawa. We're just so glad you can uh, join us. And I guess for many of you, it's the first time. So uh, for everyone everywhere, come on, let's put our hands together and give them a big uh, welcome. So great, Pastor Janine. We love you and uh, just just so look, looking forward to uh, uh, working through this transition with uh, you and really enjoyed preaching down there just before Christmas. It was such a uh, fun time. So we've chosen to do online only in this season, as you know. And I guess some will ask, uh, ask the question, why? And I just want to give a little bit of background. Well, firstly, number one, it's not because we believe Omicron is the more severe or more dangerous. Uh, it clearly, from all accounts, is, is not. Number two, it's not because we are fearful, although there is some anxiety among uh, the people, and we, I want you to know we're sensitive to that. Three, it's not because we are doing whatever the government wants. The government does not require us to do this. No, the primary reason that we have decided to take a proactive stance was to play our part in slowing the spread so as to avoid overwhelming the healthcare system, which is under, of course, at this time, immense uh, pressure. So COVID is already in our new life uh, churches and uh, our very own Pastor Michelle, who was uh, now with her husband, Sam, up in Tauranga. She is our first, uh, it's the omnibus record of our first new life pastor with COVID. And so they're doing okay. I think a couple of the kids uh, have COVID as well, but it's it's now in our churches and, and we just have to, uh, again, work and play our part to slow the spread. So we've chosen to do this with the uh, best intentions of our Connect Fano and our wider community at heart. So that's pretty much it in a nutshell. And with that in mind, let's pray for Pastor Michelle and the uh, kids and others in New Life Churches who are, uh, are battling Omicron at the moment. So God, we, we pray for them. We pray for Pastor Michelle. We pray for the kids. We pray for the whole family. We pray for those in different other New Life Churches across the nation who are battling uh, this, this COVID. And so we just ask that you'd watch over them, protect them, and restore them to full health. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, Amen. Amen. Well, many years ago, or perhaps, in fact, it was probably, the, oh, thanks, guys. Thank you, worship team. Um, like I said, this is, this, is, this is actually many years ago before Anita and I were uh, married. It's, it's probably so long ago that I should probably start off with once upon a time. That's how, that's how long ago this was. We were... In a village, we're on our outreach, our discipleship training school outreach, and we were in a village in a town called Kapuli, India, which is in Maharashtra. And we were there preaching the gospel, going out each day, doing outreaches, sharing our, uh, sharing our faith. And one day, we went up onto a hilltop near the church that we were staying, and uh, there was a tribal group of people living there in huts on the top of this this hilltop. And so anyway, we got up to the top of the hilltop. We were ready to do our presentation and preach the, uh, preach the gospel. And I had with me a small uh, pocket-sized New Testament. And so as I 
got up and went to uh, preach. I pulled out that pocket-sized New Testament and said, I'm going to be sharing with you from the Bible uh, today. And then suddenly one of, I don't know whether it was one of the elders in the village or one of the states people in the, in the village, he, he started shouting. And he, he was like, so I was like, okay, what's he saying? Are we just upsetting him? Is it, getting, is it gonna get aggro? And then, so somebody translated what he was saying. And what he was yelling out was, he was looking at my Bible, my little pocket-sized New Testament, and he was saying, that's not the Bible. That's not the Bible. He said, the Bible is this big. And he was pointing out to, to us, and I don't know whether he'd been to a church before and seen one of those big historic kind of church Bibles that they, uh, that they have, but that's what the Bible was to him. It couldn't be, he didn't understand printing sizes and page sizes and all that kind of thing. For him, the Bible was this big. That's what the Bible was to him. And I share that because I want to ask the question today of you, what is the Bible to you? What is the Bible to you? Uh, the word Bible comes from the Greek word biblios, and it simply means book. That's all it means, book. Theologian Kevin Connor said, and I love this, he said, he sees the book, the Bible, as the divine library. How do you, how do you see it? In Paul's epistle, which just means letter to his son in the Lord, Timothy, it says this, all Scripture is God-breathed. All Scripture is God-breathed. In the New King James Version, it says, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it's profitable for doctrine, which just means teaching, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God. I want to ask you today, do you believe that? And I ask you not because I'm looking for a quick amen from people in their lounge chairs to the preacher. I'm genuinely asking you that today. Do you believe that? That the Bible is the only authoritative written revelation of God? Because I think it's an important matter to settle in our heart for any Christ follower, anyone who says they, that they follow Christ, this is a key thing to settle in your heart. Author, revivalist, and preacher Vance Havner said this, the word of God is either absolute or obsolete. But I want to tell you, there is a battle for the Bible going on today. The Holy Bible, the Scriptures, the Word of God is without doubt under unprecedented attack. And not just from without, but also from within. Certain elements from within the church who would seek to undermine its relevance, its authenticity, its accuracy. The Bible, its teachings and message are continually being challenged, maligned, questioned and scrutinized in what seems to be an ever-increasingly hostile environment set on destroying 
or devaluing its authority. And I guess at least one of the reasons, I'm sure there is many, but at least one of the reasons people seek to undermine its divine authority is because the Holy Bible says things, teaches things that a godless world just does not want to hear. And many times, what it commands or what it teaches goes against the grain of popular opinion, goes against the grain of popular opinion in society, a society hungry for validation and affirmation of lifestyles and agendas. Yet despite all the opposition, the Bible remains the undisputed heavyweight champion of the book world. It has been the chart-topping number one bestseller since books could be printed. And nothing has come near. Nothing, in fact, actually even comes close. It's the most translated book in the world into 3,300 languages. In an article I was reading as I was doing my research for this message, I came across this article by Business Insider Australia, writer James Chapman, who created a list of the most read books in the world based on the number of copies each book sold over the last 50 years. And he found that the Bible far outsold any other book with a whopping 3.9 billion copies sold. That's not talking about what's been given away. 3.9 billion copies sold over just the last 50 years. So you can imagine past the last, the last 100 years, 200 years, and so on. But what is the Bible to you? And do you trust it? Can you trust it? Is it still relevant for today? What does Scripture mean when it says given by inspiration or it's God-breathed? Should we take it literally? Is the book itself holy, or is it the message contained in the book that's holy? Do I have to believe all of it? Doesn't the Bible condone slavery? What about the parts I don't like or, or I disagree with? Aren't its moral laws so out of touch with our progressive modern society? You know, Paul warned Timothy shortly after telling him all Scripture is God-breathed, he he goes on to say in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 3, he says, For the time is coming when people will not endure sound teaching or doctrine, but having itching ears, they will accumulate. I, I, I love that word, accumulate. It's talking about like they will gather to themselves. They, they will pile up. That's what that word means to me. They will accumulate for themselves, teachers to suit their own passions. Another version says their own lusts. Another version says their own desires, wants. Another version says they will accumulate, gather up for themselves, teachers to suit themselves. Mm, I like this, but I don't like that, but I'll take this, I won't take that. And when I think about that, does that not describe the days we are living in where, where people cherry pick from the Word? 
The great devotional writer A.W. Tozer said this, we must never edit God. We must never edit God. For the disciple of Jesus, we need to understand. We need to understand that the Holy Bible is the primary way God speaks to his people. Can I get a big amen from the studio audience right now? Come on. It's the primary way God speaks to his people. It's the primary way he speaks to us, to me, to to you. And I know I have been a Christian a while now, and so over the years people say, well, I don't need need the Bible. Jesus is all I need. You know, he's the author and finisher of our faith. And of course, you've got that from the Bible. But people say, I don't need the Bible. Jesus is all I need. He's the author. That's what I need. I know the author. But I want to tell you, I want to to just say, when you meet the author, the first first thing he's going to say is, have you read my book? We've got to understand that. Have we read his book? Because here's the thing. If you haven't read his book, I would argue it is difficult to truly, truly know him. To truly know him as God reveals himself, how? In and through his word. It's the primary way he speaks. That's why Paul says to Timothy early on in his epistle, He says, and I would encourage you, actually, there's so much in this epistle on that, and it's short. I'd encourage you to read it even over the next week. But he says this. He says, do your best, Timothy, to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the word of truth. Why? Because truth be told, hit and run Bible study usually ends up being hit and miss, for sure. Now, of course, I want to say the Bible is a big book, and there are many passages. In fact, I would say, if I'm honest, in fact, there are entire portions of it I don't fully understand. And maybe that actually describes you, too. But see, I agree with the words of the novelist Mark Twain with what he once said about the Bible. He said, most people are troubled, and I think this is so true, most people are troubled by those passages of Scripture which they cannot understand. He said, but for me, I have noticed that the passages in Scripture which trouble me the most are the ones which I do understand. And I would say that's true for me. Those ones like love your enemies and forgive people and, and you need to live like this. You need to walk out your life like this. Those are the scriptures that trouble me. It's not the ones I don't get, the ones I don't understand. It is the ones I do understand that trouble me the most. And so for me, the Bible has been life-changing and life-challenging. You know, when the Bible says in Hebrews 4, verses 12 through 13, for the word of God is alive and active. I can say in my life, I've, I've known that to be so. It, it, it has come alive. It is active. It speaks to my life. It's sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing of soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges... The thoughts, my thoughts, your thoughts. 
It judges the thoughts and my, my attitudes, sometimes stink attitudes of the heart. And most people finish there, but it goes on to say, and this is so powerful, it says, nothing in all creation, nothing in your life, in my life, is hidden from God's sight. There's a scary thought right there. Everything is uncovered and laid bare. In other versions, it says everything is, is naked before God. You're naked before Him. He sees it all. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of Him to whom we must give an account. See, that's what the Bible has been for me over the years I've been walking with the Lord for a long time. It's certainly been alive, living, and active. It has inspired and encouraged me. It's, it's at times, probably more than I'd like, it's rebuked and convicted me. It has made me actually utterly aware of my need for God and the state of my heart. The evangelist William H. Horton said this. He said, the Bible calls itself food. The value of food is not in the discussion it arouses, but in the nourishment it imparts. For me, the Bible has nourished my soul, nourished my spirit, my life. There is actually no book quite like it. A.T. Pearson, the preacher and missionary in the 1800s, um, wrote, he actually wrote and delivered some 13,000 sermons and wrote 50 books, which blows my mind what, what, what people used to do back then. I mean, we need to get off social media and actually do something. Can I hear an amen? Because uh, it's, it's just like, it's, it's amazing what these 13,000 sermons, 50 books. Here's what he said, speaking of the Bible. He said, while other books inform and some books reform, the, this book, the Bible, transforms. And I want to say, it's transformed my life. I don't change the Bible. The Bible changes me. Uh, we don't change the Bible. We don't, we, we don't look to find verses that suit that our lusts or our passions or those things, we no, no we, we shouldn't be doing that. We don't change the Bible. The Bible should be changing, changing us, changing you. Devotional writer Oswald Chambers said, beware of reasoning about God's word. Obey it. The man who is not prepared to heed the word of God obediently will not even be able to hear it correctly. This is why the Bible becomes a window to some people and a wall to others. There's an old saying, and it's so true, this book will keep you from sin or sin will keep you from this book. Preacher and theologian Donald Gray Barnhouse said, the shortest road to an understanding of the Bible is the acceptance of the fact that God is speaking in every line. And so inside your Bible is a collection of 66 unique and separate books divided into two parts, the Old Testament and the New Testament. 39 books in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament. These books, these writings are from different times. 
different nations, some 40 authors from different situations and different languages. These writings have been compiled over a period of some 1,600 years. Yet somehow they all weave together in what is unparalleled unity, all pointing us towards the truth, all pointing us towards the truth of God and the salvation that is ours in Christ Jesus. There is no dispute that the Holy Bible has influenced civilization more than any other literary work. It is widely considered to be some of the finest literature ever written. It has been translated into numerous languages and is the foundation of most of our modern laws and ethics. Personally, it guides us through difficult circumstances, gives us wisdom, and has been the foundation of faith for centuries of believers. To the believer, the Bible is the very word of God and makes clear the way to peace, hope, and salvation. It gives us a picture of how the world began, how it will end, and how we are to live in the meantime. For me, I agree with the view of the early church fathers, the view that they have held through the centuries, that since God is the ultimate author of the sacred scriptures who inspired human authors to deliver his message in human words, the books of the Bible manifest and teach the truths of faith accurately and without error. And so for the next couple of weeks, let's do a deep dive on the Biblios, the book. Let's do a deep dive and see what we can learn for our journey. I want to close with this, and the keyboard can come. I want to close with this. His most popular book was, was called A Way to Pentecost. Samuel Chadwick, a late 18th century, early 19th century preacher and author who touched many, many lives. He said this, and it resonated with me. He said, I have guided my life by the Bible for more than 60 years. And I tell you, there is no book like it. It is a miracle of literature, a perennial spring of wisdom, a wonder of surprises, a revelation of mystery, an infallible guide of conduct, and an unspeakable source of comfort. Pay no attention to people who discredit it. For I tell you that they speak without knowledge. It is the word of God itself. Study it according to its own direction. Live by its principles. Believe its message. Follow its precepts. No man is uneducated who knows the Bible. And no one is wise who is ignorant of its teachings. Jesus said in the Gospel of Matthew, He said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. Over the next couple of weeks, I can't wait to dig a little bit deeper and see what we can learn together. I just, before we close, 
I just want to pour, the reality is with online services is that it's not just watched today, it could be watched five years from now in a country far, far away. And so if you are watching this, I want to ask you today, do you know Christ? Have you given your life to Him? You might be saying, well, I've got to sort my life out. I've got, I've got to fix things up. Listen, the Bible says all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus. Friend, the gospel is not about how bad you are. The gospel is about how good God is. It's what He's done for you, not what you can do for Him. We can do nothing. Christ died on a cross. He died your death so that you could live His life. Today, do you need to get right with God? The Bible talks about how God knocks on the door of our heart. Would you open it and allow Him to sit on the throne of your heart? If that's you today and you're saying, yes, pastor, that's me, I'm gonna pray a prayer. And if you today are saying, man, I need to get right with God, why don't you pray this prayer with me? Just repeat after me. Lord Jesus, I come to you today, a sinner in need of a Savior. I turn from my sin and turn towards God. Today, be my Savior and my Lord. Help me begin this journey of faith. In Jesus' name, amen. If that's you today, do write and let us know and we can send you a, a, a Bible or something. If that's you, we, we want to hear. We want to hear from you. Otherwise, the service comes to a close right now. And I just want to take a moment and pray for all of those. Maybe who are out there today, maybe who knows, I don't know. Maybe you have COVID. Maybe you've got some other kind of sickness. Maybe you're needing a miracle in your life. And so right now, why don't you just stretch out your hand and God, I pray for everybody under the sound of my voice today who needs a miracle. It could be a physical miracle, it could be a, 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 any kind of miracle. You know every, every need. And so God, I pray you, the God of miracles, nothing is impossible. You are able to do immeasurably more than all I can ask or imagine according to your power that's at work within us. And so Lord, I pray for people, every need, every health need, every physical need right now. In Jesus' name, I pray, Father God, you would do that. We ask that your presence would powerfully touch people wherever they are. In Jesus' name. And if you're sitting down, I just ask wherever you are, just stand up and let me pronounce a blessing over you. Again, from the very Word of God, this ancient priestly blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make His face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn His face towards you and give you peace. And everybody said, Amen.